I just came back from the salon. And for the record, I went with a sassy little bob and quiet luxury shade of blonde. Yes, that's literally what we're calling it, quiet luxury. Aside from trips to the salon, I don't actually blow out my hair. My hair is naturally wavy, and that's why I love Way. Way's new anti-frizz cream is a lightweight cream that provides immediate frizz control that lasts for up to 72 hours. I know that I have a limited amount of time <laughs> with wet, wavy hair in which to get myself in order. And that is why I love the anti-frizz cream. It has notes of bergamot, Italian lemon, violet, and more. And it smells un. Believable, Truly, as someone who is a little bit sensitive to scents, I put this in my hair and I feel great. It also genuinely pairs well with my perfume, which I appreciate. I don't blow out my hair because after years of color processing and attempting to make it straight, I know it looks better and stays healthier when I avoid blow drying, which is why I love the anti-frizz cream. I've used products, especially with wavy hair, where it feels heavy and looks kind of wet. And that's why I love Waze Anti-Frizz Cream because it enhances the natural waves in my hair. I still look like me, just a little elevated. And P.S. I am way obsessed with Waze's other bestsellers. Their leave-in conditioner, detox shampoo, my personal favorite. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to T-H-E- O-U-A-I dot com and enter promo code Andy for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I dot com with promo code Andy. My love life is like a New York City street pretzel, stale and filled with yeast. Life is a global pandemic, and honey, I am quarantined. (laughs) (laughs) You guys, these girls, it's episode 155. What is happening? I don't know. I. It's like it's not even like. I don't know what day it is. It's like, I don't know what world it is, but we are in one in which I am thankful to be able to talk to you. None of that made sense. I'm thankful to be able to talk to you. Oh my God, you guys. It's like Thanksgiving. If this is what Thanksgiving ends up being, I swear to fucking God. Um, Guys, episode 155 of Andy's Girls. And I'm so excited to be joined with them. With by etc. Uh, words and stuff. Writer, comedian. You might know her from co-host and senior producer of VH1, and most importantly, OG of the AG, Mr. Damian Bellino. Damian Bellino, how are you? I am here, and I am safe, <laughs> and I am fortunate. So it is great to see you. And talk wow, about somebody is working on their life journey, and I am appreciative. <laughs> Um, that's my new thing when I like don't feel great. I'm like, I'm safe because <laughs> it's like I'm trying to remind and convince myself that all is OK. So we're recording this on Sunday. I don't know why I feel lately I've been giving a timestamp of when we record because there's been so much that's been happening, not only in the world, which I care less about than the housewifery of it all. Yeah. So um, 
I don't know. There's a lot for us to say. I feel like there's so much going on and I've had so many great satchels sent to me this week from people and I've just been like overwhelmed with gratitude for that but also like oh my god sometimes when there's like so much to talk about I'm like I don't I truly don't even know where to start so I'm going to start by saying how are you how's it going what are you doing how are you feeling I am good I'm good um I've been taking a lot of really long walks I started a sourdough starter kit because I could not buy any oh yeast. I could not buy any yeast so currently I'm oh breeding you just some looked at my of, tinder yeah um, I downloaded Tinder just to have the uh, thing to do, to swipe, um, just to do something. Um, so that's going super great. Um, so, yeah. Wait. So first off, I'm super jealous of you going outside, number one. I just need to put that out there for the historical record that I feel bitterly jealous. So yeah. kudos to you. I put, on a, I put on a mask and gloves, and I just walk for a while, and then I stop, and I turn around and walk back home. But I... But that's amazing. That's great. Um, but I did listen to a few episodes of Andy's Girls while I was walking recently, and it is, I felt connected to you, and I oh. felt angry at you. <laughs> I think we need a safe word. If we feel like we're about to murder each other, what could our safe word be? Manolo. <laughs> okay, I'm done. I'm into it. Um, so, oh my god, so that's amazing. And you bought a sourdough cut your kit. Your your cooking. No, I made bread, one out of your... flour and water. So, I don't. But know. like, you followed a recipe, right? Well, yeah. Like my sister, you just feed it. Like you feed the baby. Isn't that so sick? And it like grows. It like grows over the course of like days. Is it like a chia pet, but carb? It's just yeah. It's just flour and water that you just keep adding to, and then it like starts to cultivate some sort of you know it, like starts to. It's like a. You know, like yeast is a fungus. Anyway, it's sick, but um, I haven't. Oh my I also God. haven't done anything with it. So tune in to episode like one sixty five, where I tell you I never made it. <laughs> um, how are you? And you just watch it? I mean, I'm okay. It's fine. Yeah. Oh wait, so you just watch it? I'm not. I mean, you just like wait till it gets to a certain point. Like after a certain amount of days, it should be like ready to go. Like mine is probably ready to go. I've just been in avoid avoiding making it. Um, so I like just, in lieu of having a pet, you're making bread. Right? Because you have to care for it. Yeah. You have to touch it. I forgot to feed it like you twice. You have to feed so it. I double fed it then. We'll see. Anyway, it's I'll keep you posted. Follow okay, me on please. Instagram at Damien Bellino to see a, <laughs> a picture of a piece of bread if I make it. Have you posted any um, of your bread journey on IG no, so far? No. Maybe if I actually make it, I will post it. Um, speaking of Instagram, did you see my Instagram meltdown the night before last? No. I don't think so. Well, take me. maybe I did. Take me through it. An Instagram account that I will not name because I'm a nice person and not because I forgot the name of their Instagram account posted a thing meme, whatever oh, the fuck I you want to call see it. This. I did see this. Yes. Where they were like Anisha from Family Karma looks like somebody familiar and I couldn't figure it out. And now I know. And it was a picture um, of Frank. Anisha from Pam from Anisha from Family Karma and Anne Frank. Yeah. Which is an interesting thing to put up. A, that child was murdered in the Holocaust along with the majority of her family and millions of other people. B, during the Holocaust, the appearance of a uh, Jewish person with dark hair was seen as um, a physical defect in favor of, like, you know, the ideal Aryan race. C, what the fuck are you doing? 
And so I sent them a DM. I know a lot of people started commenting. I sent them a DM. They didn't respond to it. I posted a bunch. Uh, I realized that they were deleting comments. And then I heard from Andy Scrolls listeners that they were blocking people who were saying like, um, cool, this isn't great. Maybe take it down. P.S. Anisha posted and was like, LOL or something, which I'm just going to save for another day because I really can't because I'm obsessed with her and I don't want to think about her in that way. So um, I sent them a DM. They didn't. I sent them a couple DMs. They didn't respond. And then I put up a series of IG stories, like posting their posts that was like, you understand the irony here of putting up a photo of Anne Frank inappropriately and then going that extra level in honor of the Holocaust where you are deleting and removing people's voices like Anne Frank's by not allowing people to critique you and keep up the post. So they were getting a bajillion comments from people saying this is inappropriate. I'm offended as a Jew, as a non-Jew, whomever, as a human being, they kept it up. They just started blocking people. Um, and then I said some stuff about like, what do you want me to do with this? If you can't leave my comment up, like write in a journal, like what, what are you, <laughs> like, what are you yeah. trying to do? And so finally they took it down like recently. Oh, they did. Yeah. Yeah. And they DM me back with some stupid bullshit of like, I don't even know. I, I think I blocked them cause I was just not in the mood. See how blocking works. It can work for the benefit. They said our intent was nothing malicious. We just thought she looked so much like her innocent comparison. Clearly it's set people. So it's been removed and we did not limit comments. All comments, positive or negative or not limited, which is incredibly that's like a bald face lie because I know people that commented whose comments were removed by them and I just find ignorance so interesting because you can go from like being an ignorant shit and then someone teaches you a lesson like I've I've been taught lessons you've been taught lessons we're gonna teach each other a lesson probably about Leah in a couple minutes like we we can learn things and like grow as people but if someone tells you that something is offensive and inappropriate then you are no longer ignorant. You have been educated. You are seeing that a lot of people are offended. This was an, an unnecessary post that could have been taken down. They waited several days to do it until they were probably exhausted by deleting people. Um, and I just thought it was, I think I honestly think it was the single worst post I have ever seen from any kind of Bravo. It wasn't obviously Bravo itself, but like any kind of like Bravo, let's, let's be uh, gracious and call them influencers by like a Bravo influencer account. It was the single worst thing I've seen. Like wow. I'm still hot thinking about it. Yeah, It was the dumbest thing I have ever seen an Instagram account do. And I have seen people stand up for Vicky and Tamara. Like <laughs> it was like the dumbest like truly the dumbest thing I have ever seen. Well sure because seen. it has nothing to do with this show and has everything to do with like optics and also they weren't being they weren't like listening to people who were saying that this is inappropriate or offensive or whatever however it made them feel they weren't listening either so it wasn't like uh this is haha and then like oh our bad like we totally had a blind spot here and that was like really fucked up you know they just they were apparently DMing some people back in response and being like, we then, you know, it's just don't take it seriously. Like, it's just light or whatever. I just think in this time and age, people think their feelings matter. And like, spoiler alert, not all of your feelings matter. You might feel that this was a funny post. But if you're being told by a lot of other people that their feelings are that they feel like personally offended and very angry about it. Maybe you should think about your feelings and adjust them. But regardless, they're wrong. Like, I think we should get to a point in our lives where we start saying your feeling is wrong. Obviously, psychiatry is working out wonderfully for me. 
<laughs> That's right. I really do. I think everybody thinks that their feelings have merit and they don't always. Or maybe they have merit, but they're not accurate. Like, I, I don't know. The, it I just it triggered has, me. Everyone's feelings are valid, but I also don't think that, like, it's just fun as a feeling either. I don't know that I think everyone's feelings are valid. Maybe I think everyone's allowed to. Have, everyone has feelings. I don't know. I'm not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone has feel. You have the ability and capacity to have feelings. You absolutely should. If you do not feel things, then but that I, is. I don't a, think that this is a psychotic. thing about feelings, though, because right. they, they don't. It's a meme account, and they don't have like that. That being funny and not taking something seriously aren't feelings. Right. I think I am actually playing with them on their game, which is wrong by them saying, well, we felt it wasn't bad, so it's fine. And my thing is like, that doesn't that's matter. Not, that's, those aren't feelings, though. That, those, right. are, those are saying I'm feeling and then not saying feelings. Yeah, that's true. Oh, my God. No, that's a good point. Anyway, so that so how am I that happened? And I was like, very um annoyed about it and then last night I had the opposite reaction when I did a um bravo real housewives trivia night on house party with some of my like bravo um ig pals so it was me faces by bravo pet shop boy bravo betch dylan hafer with bravo by betches bravo over brunch Bravo historian shout out couldn't make it but is in our little boo club and we each took a different housewives franchise like we each got to choose which housewives franchise you wanted to do and then that person had to come up with like between five and ten questions and then everybody else wrote them down on paper like truly like okay here's my first question then we all it was super cute then we all showed that I did Beverly Hills did you not get your first choice I'm assuming I couldn't think, well, you, I think you know this about me. I'm very bad at making decisions. Like I constantly change my mind. So like people started saying like, like you would have, if you had wanted a a franchise, you could have gotten it. And obviously we didn't do all of them, but like Dallas rest in peace, which is fine. Um, but I just couldn't choose one. I really couldn't choose it. And then finally I did choose Beverly Hills. And my thing was like, I was like, oh my God, what questions should I ask? And I honestly just pulled stuff out of my ass. And some of it I didn't know the answers to, but I knew that, like, that was a question I want to ask. And I kind of want to quiz you. Oh, my God. Can I, like, ask you? I'm going to ask you a couple. I won't But, like, well, no, but that's the thing. Like, don't feel weird about not knowing because these were – some of these are tough. Um, Okay, ready? Okay. What number – oh, and P.S. Faces by Bravo trounced us, like murdered us, buried us in the ground. Um, Okay. What number is Beverly Hills in the order of housewife franchise creation? What number is Beverly Hills in the order of housewife franchise creation? This is tough. It's OC, New York, Atlanta, Mm. New – what – am I including D.C. and Miami in this? Oh, okay. So New- I'm nodding. Okay, so New York. I'm sorry. Guys, play at home. Write it down. Sorry, if you get it sorry, wrong, Emily, it's not fun to hear me think out loud. Um, no, it actually is. I love your process. Okay, so it's OC, New York, and Atlanta. Uh, I think New Jersey, DC. Oh my God, you might be a genius. I but think, I'm not I, telling you. That I think it's. Not- I think it's six. I think you're a hun- you're a hundred percent right. I cannot believe you got that and wrong. And then I think that you Mi- got the right. And then I think Miami came after it. I yeah, I knew it was one of the Holy later ones. Holy shit! 
How see? I don't remember any of this. So it was Orange County, New York City, Atlanta, New Jersey, D.C., which is a stumbling block for a lot of people. Beverly Hills, Miami, Potomac, Dallas, and coming up next, Salt Lake City. Oh my gosh, I forgot about Salt Lake City. I can't believe you got you got that right. Okay, so you might actually do really well with this. Okay, next question. Prior to joining the show, Taylor Armstrong used at least three alternate names. Oh, I have no name. I-, I have name two of them. I have no idea. <laughs> okay, name one of them. I don't you know. I, no don't, idea. I really don't know. I don't know. Okay, guys, if you're playing at home, write it down. I'm giving you two seconds. One and two. Okay. Um, the three names of which you needed to choose two: Shayna Taylor. <gasps> Shayna Ford, Taylor Ford. I don't have any recollection of that. Is she, what is her government name? Uh, I have no idea. That's so cool. She is she is a queen. She is like an iconic. I know. I wish who, that she came back in some capacity for this la- for this new, most recent season, even in just like a guest appearance. I feel like she's probably morphed into what's her friend's name who was married to um, David Foster, the one who like fucked Elvis, whose kids are the Jenners, Brandon and yeah, other Jenner. I can't remember her name. Brandon it seems and like Brody's she, mom, right? Right. It feels like she's probably that Taylor is probably morphed into that woman of like peace and love. Like, let's all love well, each other. On, like, like life a, is a journey. She was on like two or three seasons ago. She and Adrian and Camille were like all in at a party. It was I, but it wasn't like a historic season. It was like the first season Lisa Rinna and Eileen were on. They all appeared at like a party in the season premiere. And then they were all on Watch What Happens Live together afterwards. Um and I think that they're – I like when all – I just like when all of the – when everyone is there. Like, I want all-star seasons with, like, 15 people, even if the other people are just, like, friends of and guests. It is surprising that, for example, your best friend and life partner, Kim Richards, has been on so much since she left. And Adrian has cameoed several times. And Taylor has not as often. Like, I guess that's what makes sense. I guess she doesn't really live in Beverly Hills anymore, though, right? And everybody else does, theoretically. So she had been commuting allegedly between Beverly Hills and I want to say Colorado. I believe that's and, right. But I think she moved back fullish time to um, California. I don't know if she's in Orange County or BH or one of the other places have, in California. I have to assume that she was invited to a party or something this season only because it's season 10. And I feel like they go out. Like Remember season 10 of Atlanta, how like um, – like Lisa Wu showed up a couple times just like oh, yeah, at yeah, parties. Yeah. I feel like they always make an effort, like once it gets to its tenth season, to like acknowledge the like arsenal of women that exist in this uh, universe. So I feel mm. like, she, and that, I think that obviously the trailer for Beverly Hills this season made it seem like that with like Faye and uh, Adrian Kim's boob. and uh, Eileen right. and Kim and Brandy and it's like and Camille. It's like all of them are making some appearance in some way. Where is Camille going to come in this season? I like she has not been in. She hasn't really been like she wasn't featured in the trailer in like a plot way. I think they brought they didn't they bring her in well after filming started because like she refused or I think they had just full on didn't offer her some sort of opportunity. And then they did didn't offer her a full time position or even a friend of position. Maybe I think that there's a lot of I would love to know what the politics of what was happening were because I feel like the fact that Teddy came back and Camille wasn't invited back even as a friend of initially is crazy is, is beyond me. And I just like, I, after watching the f- season, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to, to derail, but no, I, do it. This is what Andy's girls is for. But I just feel like it makes me wonder if by them bringing Camille back and 
Garcelle's attitude about Kyle is like, is something, is Kyle going to be the point of conflict in a way this season? Because like, I don't know, like they, she tried to like be like, my friend Teddy has to come back and like, I'm the star and I'm the center. And then they were like, oh, it's really boring. Garcelle get it. Like, you know what I mean? Like a producer's in Garcelle's ear being like, Kyle is the puppet master. And then now that Lisa Vanderpump is gone, she thinks she's like the star. And like, it's like her friends against whoever, whomever. And Garcelle, I don't know. I'm like, I'm sort of spiraling because I didn't think about this until just now. But I feel like they're like, the Camille stuff feels tied to Kyle. Like, I feel like they didn't want Camille to come back because they felt like she was toxic and negative. But then the producers are like, well, we have no conflict this season. Well, what you need is toxic and negative, and you guys aren't understanding that. I don't know that it was Kyle specific. I think it was they realized that nothing was happening. They were gelling too much, and they were overly protective, which we need to get to. And that's why, like, we'll get to this, but, like, the stuff with Dorit, when Dorit was shading Kyle, the first time I saw that, I was like, oh, this is super artificial, and they were just telling her, like, say some shit about Kyle. And then the second time, I was like, oh, maybe she's, like, speaking honestly, that because it was kind of a shit show, Kyle's participation it in it. It was 100% a shit show. If that was Dorit's show, the women would have read Kyle for filth and right. confessionals but because it's Kyle people feel a weird like loyalty to her because she is the youngest child of a dysfunctional family who's starving who's like so thirsty and hungry for attention and fame and somehow gets a pass because she like had a rough childhood like everybody has a rough life and it's so weird to me to watch a show where like Kyle had a terrible, embarrassing fashion show, and Dorit was, like, the voice of reason, and everyone else is like, like, Sutton, who read everybody in her fucking confessionals, which I was into, but then it's like, great show about fucking Kyle's show, and it's like, it was embarrassing. I also, also Kyle threw her business partner under the bus when it was, yeah. like, clearly Kyle invested in this woman to make things based on photographs, didn't see any of it, then brought her daughters last minute. Like, it was a mess, and I felt like, again... This is when when housewives need to go when they have too much pull because like everyone's like Kyle like like Erica Jane at the fucking reunion last year, Kyle's the real queen. Get over it. She's a loser. Like Lisa Rinna is the real queen, and thank God this production is acknowledging that by that weird stupid moment where she put a crown on. Like Kyle is a loser, and she will never be able to not be a loser. She's always like being the shadow of her sisters to me. I know you like her, and I like rolling my eyes. I. I think she's a loser. I want to hear how about how you don't think she's a loser and how another queen, another queen, another um, housewife wouldn't have gotten dragged in their confessionals by that fashion show. Cool. I don't think it's a, a conversation about Kyle, whether or not she's a loser. I think it's a conversation about the rest of the class is so fucked up because no one is willing to stand up to her. And I think about it less as changing Kyle's behavior and more as making sure that there is an inherent conflict in the casting of housewives. And I pose this as a question, I think, to Ryan Houlihan, but I forget. I think it was the right the recent Ryan Houlihan app where I was like, none of this makes sense. Why did they have or maybe it was Evan Ross Katz? I can't remember. Like, none of this makes sense. Why did they have, why did they bring back Teddy? I think everybody universally, regardless of whatever, is like, why is Teddy back? And the response that I got from my guest co-host, TBD, was something along the lines of like, production was probably overly, overly cautious because Lisa Vanderpump's departure was so massive that I think they thought it would be too fractured or the relationships wouldn't make sense. So this was like a building season, which I understand, but I continue to disagree with it because even if you weren't including the Lisa Vanderpump stuff, if Lisa Vanderpump, if that breakdown hadn't happened, you wouldn't have had anything last season. So I understand concern based on her departure, but I think that 
keeping the problem of last season intact the second half when it was just these women doing absolutely nothing and thinking they're all fabulous and patting each other on the back is a problem. I think that there needed to be changes and it doesn't make sense to me why Erica Jane is full time. It doesn't make sense to me why Teddy is on the show. I could care less about her being pregnant, but we'll get to it. But none of that made sense. The editing is strange. And I think that probably what production realized after they started filming was there is absolutely nothing happening, which is why we started with this random episode of them going to New York, which did not feel like Beverly Hills energy. I'm sorry. It didn't. And, um, And we got flashbacks to a month ago of Mauricio touching a piece of fabric at at I forget her name at Kyle's fashion business partner, whatever store or whatever in L.A. And being like, oh, this is nice. Like, that's literally all we got. And Teddy pretending that she only found out she was pregnant three weeks prior and yet is talking about showing like that is an issue to me. If you're filming for a solid month and you have nothing but a husband saying this is pretty. I thought it was a great premiere. I think Teddy is back because of Kyle. I think that Kyle is a problem on the show, and I think that she has too much pull with production. And it it was I think like the episode was was great. I thought though, and I thought Dorit was a saving. I thought Dorit and Garcelle and Erica mm-hmm. and Sutton were great, and Lisa Rinna, but like she didn't have a lot to do. I thought I, I also yeah. thought that like. They're setting up something with Denise that's beyond whatever the Brandy rumor is. Clearly, Denise was trying to hide a part of her life about her relationship, maybe. I don't know. But, like, her and the way she talked to the waiter I thought was so interesting and the way she wouldn't take legal advice from the ladies. Like, I thought that was all super fascinating. It didn't bother me that they weren't in Beverly Hills. I feel like the women are all showing, like, like, Erica seemed like she wanted to be there, and that was fun. It was, like, fun for them to go to that club, I thought, and... Yeah, I thought it was a great episode. I thought the biggest problem to me, and like also the chronological stuff like doesn't bother me. Like, you know I love talking about like behind the scenes production stuff as it relates to like Kyle Sway by saying you can't get rid of Teddy. She was part of the conflict with Lisa Vanderpump. We can't lose both of them after this season. She's my real friend. She's pregnant. She has story that like shows she's in a different place in her like housewife life. I think she really fought. This is my theory because based on them being real friends now, I think that she really fought for her. I don't have a problem with people shooting things out of order because, like, that happens all the time whether you know it or not. Like, whether we as, like, the royal you. Like, whether we know it or not, like, Ramona and Dorinda have a fight at the Berkshires and then they, like, film a scene later on where, like, Dorinda talks to, like, Hannah about them going to the Berkshires because, like, they need to fill in the story. So, like, that's just, that's just TV. Like, that's just the show and that doesn't bother me that, like, the timeline of Teddy, like, I literally don't care about Teddy's pregnancy, so I don't care. I felt like the energy was kind of off. I have to tell you, it felt like people were attempting to be happy and funny in a way that was so much less successful for me than like on New York where they're genuinely zany, you know, regardless well, on New of New York, everybody's l- delusional and an alcoholic. So like, I'm not, I, yeah, I, but like, I felt so like they were still themselves. Compare. It's, yeah. It's because they're all the same care. Like to me, I'm sort of exhausted by New York because like the best thing about this week's episode was hilarious, but also and the coming of attraction was like wild, but also, my god, how many seasons are we just going to watch people be destructive and alcoholics and be like it's amazing television and then be like my god, like like I don't know, like it's not that fun for me. Like and also like yeah, it's just like it's fun, but it's also like at what expense? Like last year we watched like the best part of last season was 
Sonia falling and slamming her head on the floor because she was annihilated. And then, like, this season, we're watching her embarrass herself at a party. Like, I'm not trying to, like, be, like, weird about ethics of people, like, drinking on camera and what all of that means. But I also, like, as a viewer watching his show, like, where's the arc for the women? So now, so now Dorinda, Luann, and Sonia are all delusional drunks who all have varying like Sonia is funny but delusional when she's drunk and like hilarious and Dorinda's mean when she's drunk and like Luann is like abroad and out of touch with like because she's a cabaret star and I think Ramona is also not a great person <laughs> like I don't know hers as rude as in her drinking as much as it's just like who she's always been but like they're all orbiting a similar character type I think that their arc was best described in the scene in the vineyard or as Ramona called it, the wine tree area. Like the arc was them talking about this is what I'm struggling with right now. And it's juxtaposed with these crazy nights where, frankly, the only person that was out of their mind at that party was Sonia. So there it's not like they're all going wild at the same time. And to me, Except I was the more coming fascinated attractions by their where Leah is like throwing I'm not a talking about the Yes, I'm not talking about the coming attractions. I'm talking about last night. I'm sorry, this week's episode specifically, which I thought was really great. I, I think do New York is on to- its last leg and needs to bring in some new blood. And I think that in some ways it's good that Leah is on. I just feel complicated about the person being the voice of reason who she is. Okay, I we need to talk about that more because I super disagree with you a lot of what you said. But I do want to talk. I want to circle back to Beverly Hills because regardless of the energy stuff which you connected with and liked and I felt was coming off as a little staged where these women were like we're so happy to be together something about it felt false to me and I say that liking the scene in the strip club I say that liking the scene where Rinna's pretending that Sutton looks (laughs) <laughs> not like a clown that that outfit by the way was shout out to Dolce and Gabbana like the worst least moral of any um quote-unquote great fashion house but that moment where she walks out in that horrific it's amazing. outfit it's amazing. it was wonderful where Rinna's like oh look at you like that's what someone says when someone looks terrible they're like look at you like oh my god you're trying oh my god is that a bra like you have nothing else to say like she looks the interesting thing with Sutton is that no matter how much money Sutton says she spends on clothing none of it fits like none of it fits her body she has it's just it's fascinating to me even though actually in that scene at dinner at like Lalo or wherever the fuck they went um she actually looked quite nice in that black dress um that she made fun of but I thought looked chic af um Yeah, there were moments where I was like, huh, like I started watching it. I watched episodes this week live as they aired, which is very strange Uh for my years of not doing that. So and I don't know that that will necessarily continue, but I watched the episode as it aired and I was like, something feels off to me. It just felt off. It might be because I was bringing in energy that I was unhappy with the cast being what it was, plus the addition of essentially two people that I strongly support joining Sutton, who we're pretending is a friend of, which I have some satchels about that I want to get your thoughts on, and Garcelle full time. Um, and I just was like, what's happening? And then the last two minutes of the episode aired and it took my breath away. I actually was like, that is maybe one of the best edited moments and biggest kind of surprise, noting that we all know kind of what we think is about to happen. 
I have ever seen in a season premiere of any franchise. It's at least in the top whatever. I actually, to be honest, don't even know what to compare it to. The going from like the flash of Kyle saying like, oh, I'm crying. Oh, my God, I'm crying the whole time at the fashion show to the quick edit of her going and being like, oh, and had we only known, which I was like, okay, got it, got it, got it. And then just the flashes and the pacing of going behind the scenes, exposing the fourth wall with production, the setup, Kyle getting her lip gloss, Rinna doing whatever the fuck she was, interspersed to to Denise getting chased out or chasing herself out, I guess, out of some sort of event with Rinna. Rinna talking about her daughter's eating disorder, which I thought was a terrible comparison to make because that is a choice that they made before filming to discuss on camera and convert compare that with the Denise stuff, which obviously she was not a participant in. Um, the decision well, of whether or not that would be a part of the show. Was- we talk about our lives here, so not everything is comfortable. And like, yeah, I and understand like what you're to, saying, but I think her yeah. point was like, we don't get to, like we're supposed to show our lives, whether the stuff is like exciting and fun or dark or sad or whatever. Um, I hear you. I think I and the ending of it. I mean, the Bravo, Bravo, fucking Bravo, or whatever the hell it was. The ending of it, all of it, the look of Denise looking kind of like witchy and sassy (laughs) when she sat down in that confessional at the end, the look in her eye where I don't know, I think we all felt this and I hope it's real where she's like, okay, I'm here and I'm ready to play. Regardless of what happens, I honestly, I've watched the last two minutes. I don't know how many times I find it endlessly fascinating and interesting and Teddy tweeted something. What night was the premiere? Was it the 15th? Teddy tweeted something on the 15th that said, Bravo, Bravo, Bravo always keeps it rolling even when you try to control things. And Denise replied to it and said, you were that someone that told me Kyle Richards about it, which I then said on Instagram, can someone Google translate Denise for me? Because I didn't understand what she was saying. And um, I saw a daily dish, uh, write up on Bravo about Kyle's theory about why Denise said that. And she said that Kyle said that in season one of Beverly Hills, she and her fellow OGs would touch up their makeup while the cameras were down for an equipment change or break. And if the cameras came back up and we didn't want them to film us yet, we would joke and say, oh, bravo, bravo, bravo. Hi, Andy Cohen. Hi, Andy Cohen. And then laugh so they wouldn't use the footage because you can't break the fourth wall because they don't acknowledge that we're on a show. Denise must have found out about this former strategy of the Beverly Hills Housewives, according to Kyle. Sidebar. Denise says it was from Kyle. So I guess someone told Denise about that, that we used to do that. But that was literally 10 years ago. Denise started saying that when she didn't want started saying it when she didn't want what we were talking about in season 10 to be used. She was like, I'm just going to start throwing that out there and they won't use the footage. And then they did, which I guess Vicky was one of the people that used to do this the most on Orange County. It was something that used to work in their favor. But obviously now we're at a different point in the evolution of these franchises and what they thought could help harm a take or a scene or a cut or whatever is now, in fact, supporting it all the more. Yeah, I right. Yeah, absolutely. I think that I love like breaking the fourth wall and acknowledging that things are happening. And I don't know. I'm I'm excited by the season. I hope that it's not like a total like a dud where like this is the only thing that's happening is 
I mean, it does seem like the season is related to Denise mostly in being incorporated into the drama, but whatever that means and however, like, it, however long it takes for it to get there, you know, like, I hope that it, the payoff is worth the investment in watching. Yeah, I mean, I I just, I remain concerned, even after all that I said about how those um, last two moments were so unbelievable, I remain concerned about what this means for the season as a whole. I remain concerned about um, how long we're going to have of like, and as Broylin, Bri- Brian Moylan, I just called him Broylan, as Brian Moylan calls it like rich women doing things. I'm concerned about how long that will take effect until the Denise stuff comes up. And frankly, if you're right that this isn't just about the Brandy stuff, it goes into something else then all the better. Although you could make that argument about what happened last season, that the Lisa stuff was about the dog in quotes, but it was really about Lisa using gossip blogs to support her own narrative. And I just get a little nervous when the focus is all on one person. I think that there's so much hypocrisy here where last season Camille got buried on camera for bringing up stuff about Dorit's finances, which we still haven't seen because this stupidity about the clothing thing was like a non-starter. That's not the financial misdoings that we're interested in or impropriety, alleged impropriety. And this season, Brandy does the same fucking thing that Camille did. And it seems like everybody's going to throw her a parade. I don't, I don't get it. Well, I don't, I think that I, think I don't that, get it. I think that can't, uh, Brandy involvement is all a question mark because I have a, this is my theory based on nothing. But I have a theory that there's a secret about Denise's relationship, whether it's like that she's in an open relationship or that they have an understanding or that there's like a reason that they got married or whatever that sort of like comes out or somebody finds out. And then it's like confirmed by like Brady's like I hooked up with them or something and that that is like the dagger in the coffin where Denise is like, no, like I don't think that like Denise is running away from multiple dinners because people are like you have a relationship with brandy i think that there's like a denise do you want to talk about this denise did you hear this and then i feel like that is when maybe she stopped filming because brandy is suddenly involved now and she's like ugh, because i feel like the production company would have brought brandy back before if they wanted her to create stuff so i feel like it's one of those things where like maybe she was sort of actually connected or maybe she fucked denise purposefully but like i don't feel like this is all just again a theory but i just think that yeah maybe it's sort of like the nail in the coffin is the headline about brandy but it's not necessarily like the lead up because i don't think that the, denise would have continued to show up and show up and show up if it was like the same thing you know i feel like maybe kyle gets calls in brandy to get like to be like this is real like, why is Denise running away? We, I know it's like, like, Brand, you know, like, I know you have an open relationship. Brandy's now in the scene, you know? Isn't it closest to like the surrogacy stuff with Adrian where Brandy's using surrogacy as an example of why this person is lying and the person is super uncomfortable with that even being discussed on camera and therefore wants to remove themselves from the process? Like, isn't that what we're looking about except looking at except it's... Well, you could make the argument it's exactly the same because it is, quote unquote, harming someone's family by being discussed on camera if I I don't know. Um, I also I also thought like in the Denise, the Denise stuff was interesting to me, like in relation to like I didn't know anything about Charlie Sheen and her like having like legal dispute and being in the tabloids like or during the off season. So like hearing that that was a part of like that she's also like going through something there like was interesting to me because I feel like last season 
she was sort of praised for being like cool and like just like being like not about the drama. And I feel like, yes, this is a person who was married to Charlie Sheen. So like this shouldn't right. be a surprise to me that there is another side to this person and that this person is like complaining about Charlie Sheen in the press, but then like refuses to get an attorney and is like maybe not nice to a waiter. And I'm not saying that like those incidents instances make her a bad person, but I thought that it was interesting to see that like curtain pulled back on her and clearly she becomes uncomfortable with it. Well, that's the whole thing. I think I talked about this on Andy's Girls, but I don't remember. It might have been on a Patreon app. The whole thing with, like, becoming president of the United States, I think it's a quote from Michelle Obama where it's like the presidency doesn't change your character. It reveals who you are. Totally. And I think the same thing can happen with Housewives where it doesn't – it can change you, but it can also – as frankly, the presidency and in, in obviously can have an impact on you. Certainly it should. Um, but it can also reveal you where it strips apart because of the attention paid, because of the pressure, because of the understanding of the gravity of your position can absolutely reveal character flaws or um, traits that are impactful in a positive way and I think the same thing can be said about housewives and I think you know for a lot of people we don't really know Denise I mean I remember watching her e-show which I didn't love um I remember the financial stuff with Charlie because it's just so horrifying that he made a bajillion dollars and has like shit on all of it um and that's something that Denise talked about last season with the whole um you know like I offered to I could have asked him for more money and did and I also offered to like sit on some of his money and he didn't want that or whatever. And now he has none. Like she would have handled it or managed it obviously a lot better than he did. But I know that they, it's never going to end because he is, he has in such ridiculous financial straits right now that don't make any sense based on how on earth could you like spend all of this so quickly. But I feel like, um, so that wasn't as surprising to me. I think this stuff with Erica and Tom, the, feeling that I had watching that was less Denise doesn't want to hire an attorney which is right she did say that she's like I just don't want to have to deal with this I felt like it was more like Erica saying go upstairs even if she was well-intended Erica saying go upstairs talk to Tom hire an attorney literally right now like literally get up from the table and go upstairs and Denise just didn't want to deal with that at that moment on camera like talking about the Charlie stuff and talking about rumors and talking about all of that is one thing, but potentially being recorded for a national television show where you're discussing legal matters is entirely another. I didn't judge her for that. I didn't think that she was really hiding anything aside from like attorney client privilege. Yeah. I mean, I don't know that the show would have even filmed her because they probably wouldn't have been able to show it. But I think yeah. that the point was her reaction was sort of like, yeah, like Erica was being well, was being like, you need to deal with this right now, right away and not wait. And she was sort of like, oh, no, I'll wait. And Erica was like, you should deal with it ASAP. Um, and I just, I yeah, I'm not, like, faulting her for it, but I thought it in was interesting to be able to complain about someone. And then when your friends are like, oh, let's get legal advice and, like, let's deal with this. And she was like, no, no, later. Um, I have two quasi-related satchels to this that I want to share. One is from Lindsay in Shelton, Connecticut, who says, um, it's gross that this season of Beverly Hills appears to be centered around Denise's sexuality. If she wants to have a consensual relationship with another woman and she and her husband are in an open relationship, it's not for America to judge who she lays down with. Now, choosing the mouth of the West Side Brandy, I don't get that, West Side Brandy, was a poor decision, but I'm not on board for what seems like a season of gay shaming on an adult. To which I want to get your thoughts, to which I would say, 
I hear what you're saying. I think it's more around like the duplicity of Denise saying this doesn't happen and presenting her marriage in a certain way. Although there is a tenor to this that makes me uncomfortable. I wonder if these women would be chomping at the bit as much if it was Denise not having a relationship allegedly with a woman who used to be on the show full time, but her having a relationship with a man. I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm also a heterosexual woman, allegedly. Like, I don't know. I don't. I, my voice doesn't matter. I'd rather hear yours. I don't. I don't think it's about gay shaming. I think it's about, just like you said, I think it's about having a secret. And I think that, like, it's, like, maybe maybe it's not exclusive to Brandy. Like, maybe she does have to have an open relationship and sleep. they sleep with other people or sleep with people together. And to me, that's not about, like, them gay shaming. Because I think that of most franchises, there's probably the least amount of homophobic people in this cast or one of this, this, this yeah, probably this cast, actually. Um but I think that it's about, yeah, presenting one way and then it being – and, like, but not being open about it and knowing you're on a show where like, – she signed up to, for a show to talk about her life. So sorry, sweetie. Like, if that involves that you have an open relationship, then you should talk about it. Like, Nini and Luann have talked about their open relationships or, like, the – the some of the, like – they've alluded to their open relationships. Yeah, Nini's talked around it. Um, and Luann talked about it after they were no longer in one. So mm-hmm. – And then denied that she said it for, like, years. Yeah. But I think it's more about that. I mean, also, we don't know what it is. But, like, I don't have, think it has anything to do with gay shaming. And I think we'll see if it is or not. But, like, I don't think it's about that. I think it's about that she, like, is, yeah, having affairs with someone she's, like, presenting a one way. I also think the whole question of, like, she shouldn't be shamed for having an open relationship. I don't think Aaron knows that they have an open relationship. I think that's the whole thing is like, it does not seem that he, I think the whole part of this is like that she was cheating on him. It does not appear that this was an open relationship and that's what she want hidden wants hidden. Although that is of course entirely possible. I don't know. I don't know what it is and we won't know until we know. And frankly, we might not ever know. We might not know what was triggering to her because that would reveal the truth. And I don't think she's interested in having that conversation. Yeah. I don't know. I am invested and interested and I hope that, uh, yeah, I hope there's other like layers to the season that are not Denise related, but I also thought based on like the first episode, like, I mean, as I think I've said on this podcast before, and I don't think it's my, it's not my original thought. I've heard it elsewhere from other people who are cool and smart, but like every season of housewives is almost always about the downfall of a person. So I find it a little bit exhausting when people are like, I don't want this whole season to be about Denise. I don't want this whole season to be about Lisa Vanderpump. But like in every season we watch, like this season is about the downfall of like Phaedra or this season is about the downfall of Nini or the downfall of Luann three seasons in a row and this season is clearly about the downfall of Dorinda so like when people say that it's like annoying because like I have to say like what is like what is Sonia's like original plot line or like what is Eva's like solo plot line like yes they have things happening I mean I don't know what Sonia does but Eva like bought a house cool like that's not a plot and that's not interesting so the idea that like everybody has to be like have huge drama like nobody really does that anymore except for Potomac which is a newer season like I think that it's totally valid for a season to be about the downfall of a person and for other people to react to that like someone can align themselves with Denise or three people can align with Denise and be like Kyle and Erica and Dorit you're one to talk 
you guys have been doing X, Y, and Z, and then there's conflict otherwise, and then the next season comes back and it's the downfall of Kyle Richards. But like, it's always about some plot line that is that how is everyone else connected to it, you know? But like, nobody, I don't need each person to have like an A story because that's not how it, it never has been that. I hear you, and I do think you're right about the downfall being the theme of many historic franchise seasons but I also think that that isn't typically the only thing there's usually a B plot C plot D plot like there are other stories to tell and on Beverly Hills last season it truly felt like this was the only thing happening and this season by all appearances aside from slight shade Camille Camille came in when Lisa Vanderpump left like you can feel however you want about the friend doing the heavy lifting or about like what the like what state Camille really had in those conflicts but that was like a part of that was a part of the season, you know, like that was a way that they continued to have drama. But it's sort of this it sort of almost supports my argument. You bringing that up about Camille, because it's not like there's more than one thing thing happening at a time. There is I hate to use the word gang up because I think that that actually doesn't work and it it muddles this a little bit for me. But there is one person being isolated by everybody else with nothing else going on. That person leaves. And then there is another person being isolated by everybody else with nothing else going on. And that's and then they leave. Like, that's not interesting to me. We can have a downfall argument, but like you can look at New York this season. There are 10,000 other things happening aside from Dorinda, which supports to me an argument that this is an energetic. We had energetic episodes. What's happening besides Dorinda? A fight about Leah's tattoo. That's no, not, that's like also, that's Leah's all, giving us shade. That's, that's also, Luann, that's also, with, also Leah giving shade is not a plot. So fine. and also Leah having a back tattoo, like and like we can say our safe word Manolo at any point, but like <laughs> Leah having shade is not a plot point. Luann, I know and, I said that wrong. And also like to talk about how you said like things felt really manufactured and the energy felt fake and Dorit maybe was like giving like producers were telling Dorit to be shady. It's like. Hello, nobody gives a fuck about tattoos. That was all manufactured drama that those women. It was funny. Leah was rolling with the punches, but like it was, it's all like Leah was like, I don't really like, uh, why are you preferring your eyebrows? Do you really think that all of these women like who have like, they maybe believe it, but like, it's not real drama. And it's also totally constructed to have a conflict with the new girl to have story. Like, I think that, the standard that New York is held to is so be is so wild to me because like they're doing like that is them producing themselves and maybe you have a preference for it because it's in New York City but like it's not particularly more clever to me. I think it was it wasn't like the producers dangling a carrot. It was these women saying, "I don't know that I like this younger woman joining the cast and here's what we can do to make fun of her and we feel like we are stronger together and can rip her apart." I don't know how much of it. I think some of it Ramona truly is repelled by someone having a tattoo. I think Sonia wants to show the level of class that she is bringing in isolated circumstances by saying, oh, my God, you have a tattoo. And I think Dorinda just doesn't like her because of her relationship with Tinsley and is more than happy to join the club. Like, I think it's the same. Think it's their, it's feel- their kind of tattoo pecking order is what they're saying. They're establishing that you are different from us. We're pulling the tattoo stuff out of our ass and we're telling you that you are not enough. You think that Sonia, who went to a veterinarian to get her tooth fixed, thinks that Leah, ha- <laughs> Leah having tattoos makes her less classy than Sonia. 
Absolutely, I do. It's not supposed to make sense. That's Sonia. Is that it doesn't necessarily make sense, but it doesn't make Sonya sense from any points, anyone's point of view. It's funny. You, I, it's funny, but I just can't like the idea that it is not manufactured and it is not them producing themselves to have a conflict is not true. I think that they are manufactured and producing it, and it's based on a power uh, move. I think that that's why they're doing it. It's a power move. I don't think they're just saying this to like say something on camera and be done with it. I think there's an actual reason behind it. And, and isn't I think that what Doreen's doing? Af- when she, I mean, isn't that what Erica's doing when she calls her husband, who's an attorney, in a scene and says, "Talk to talk to my husband, who's a lawyer." Oh. No, I actually thought that that I don't think that that was staged to me. I don't think that I don't Erica know that it dialing- was staged, but I think it's like this is the way these I like I think it's a weird again, it's a weird strange fine line where it's like what is being produced for camera and what is like person's genuine reaction but also like what is part of that reaction is like influenced by the idea that you live your life X amount of time on camera. So I think that there was yeah. a part of Erica that was like, let me like hold her accountable for complaining about her fucking famous ex-husband, but then actually not doing shit about it. Like, let me call him, like, let me call my husband and ask for an opinion. Yeah, I don't think that was judgmental of Erica to do it. I think she was genuinely like, my husband is very well known as an attorney and in litigation. Let me call him for counsel. I I think you're trying to make a comparison in order to say like, this is why I think this is wrong. But I don't disagree. I don't disagree with either of those moments. Like, I'm not connecting the dots in the way that you are in a critical manner. Like uh, myself, I'm not saying that you are. I just think the show. Are, like, I just think that they're all all of the shows are really produced, and I think that like when we start to like separate them, it feels frustrating to me because I feel like New York is also doing it and like that argument about like you have a tramp stamp isn't an organic fight but that's not the only that's not the only plot you have shit going on with Luann it's like I don't like to go what's shit she is struggling she is being a prima donna she's being a countess she's being uncool not cool which P.S. only happened one season the majority of her time she has been a dick on the show and that's why she serves a great purpose it's the it's the weirdness of her um the ongoing stuff with her sobriety the stuff with leah's sobriety which i think is actually really fascinating sonia not being able to be vulnerable and interesting with these women and then being loud those are projections of like like so no, i think that's what we're actually watching what we're watching is sonia everybody else being vulnerable i don't and sharing think- at the wine trees and sonia not being able to and ramona's stuff i have a satchel about it. i want to talk to you about it ramona's stuff is um trying to be like madam morgan and failing miserably at uh, that is her being the ho- the hostess of a house she doesn't own i think that I guess, and Tinsley can't find love and her think, eggs are scrambled. I, I think Tinsley stuff is story. And Dorinda is Dorinda. I think that Tinsley stuff is story. I think that Dorinda stuff is being set up for story. But I think that Luann's like leaving the basement and being a prima donna is um, like a runner. It's like a runner of the season series. Like Sure. So to me, that's not plot. Like that's not that's like a D story that like exists in an episode when they travel. And I think that Sonia also not being able to be vulnerable has been her arc forever. So like unless there's a change in it, again, it's just a runner. It's like a funny thing that happens where she's not able to like open up because what what exists beyond Sonia's persona? Like, what is the depth there? Like, where does it go? And she's that she hasn't shown that in a long time. I honestly feel like it's disingenuous to suggest that there isn't plot on. New I'm York. not suggesting that there isn't. I'm saying when you say Luann's stuff, that's like not different to me than saying like, I don't know, like Teddy's pregnancy. Like that's the same thing. Like Teddy's pregnancy and Luann leaving the basement are like the same to me. Which is they're they're a part of a story, but like. I don't, to me, I'm, like, tired of Luann's stuff. Like, her being 
her stuff is not interesting to me anymore. Like, I want more. I think that there is plot on New York. I just think it's, like, unfair to say that, like, Beverly Hills has none. Okay, so I want to share some um, poll results that I put on IG because I wanted to get AG thoughts. Um, which show is currently lighting your Joe Farrell appointed fire? Beverly Hills or New York? Uh, New York got 73%. Beverly Hills got 27 Which season has your full attention? And I'm, apologies to Atlanta. I just you didn't make it. Um, which season has your full attention? New York or Beverly Hills? Like which season as a whole? New York got 65%. Beverly Hills got um, 35 Was the ending of the Beverly Hills premiere, potentially the best premiere teaser ever. Um, yes, 81%. No, 19%. I do want to talk to you about this. Does Sutton deserve a diamond? Yes, 44%. No, 56%. Who is the hostess with the mostest? Sonia or Ramona? Sonia, 61%. Ramona, 39%. Do you miss Bethany? Nope. Season 12 is being strong. 66%. This is a crisis. 34%. And finally, who behaved worse? Ramona giving Lou the lower level or Lou fleeing the basement. Lou fleeing the basement got 86%. Ramona 14. So I think a lot of people are liking New York is what I'm trying to tell you. And I think that there's a lot to pick apart in a good way. There's like it's there's a lot of content there. I don't agree. And I'm fine to be just to disagree with people who follow you on Instagram. I feel like <laughs> Like, like, I feel like I read a lot of things about how Beverly Hills had the premiere that New York wanted um, from Bar- Brian Moylan and also um, other people. And it doesn't matter. It's like, it's, I'm allowed to have that opinion and I don't feel like it makes me incorrect. I feel like Beverly Hills premiere was really exciting and set up a whole arc for the season. And I feel like New York's premiere was like fine. And then this week's episode was really fun and comical. But again, it's just like, at, like how many times are vacations where people get annihilated hilarious and like... You know. Um, okay, I have a satchel that you're gonna like that I'm not, but I am an I am a open for feedback, interested in a variety of voice of voices being shared on Andy's Girls. So I have a satchel of gold from James in London who says Okay, this pains me to write. New York is my God, and I will pray, forever pray at its altar. I can rewatch any episode. Reunions are, are the pipe I hit over and over again. It's truly the gift that keeps on giving. Also, full disclosure, Bethany is my favorite housewife of all time. Um, be she ever so problematic. When she boned out right before <laughs> filming this new season, I had a sinking feeling, one others have expressed as well, sidebar myself as included, as she is the relative voice of reason. Without that weight, will the other less grounded women become unchecked caricatures and float away like so many of Dorinda's symbolic helium balloons? Shout out to Richard. After the first three episodes of this season, I fear my gut was correct. Sonia is drunk again. Ramona isn't paying attention to them again. Luann doesn't like her guest room again. We've seen it all before, except without the hammer to keep them all in check. Sidebar, I think Leah. Oh, oh, he continues on. Sorry. Does newbie Leah fill some of the same role as Bethany? Yes. Is she a peer? No. As a result, the other women are made to look more out of touch and dare I say pitiable, like the party's over and everyone else knows it but them. Going on about the scandalousness of gasp tattoos doesn't help. It's something my grandmother would do if she weren't as dead as that Trump mansion party. (laughs) Don't get me started. 
Ultimately, I live for the show and sincerely want to be guilty of jumping to conclusions after only three episodes and be proven wrong. There's a vibrator in the chicken next week. I'm really hoping it gets me off. That is a beautifully worded. Like that was very well written. So kudos to that listener. Um, that I mean, was very well written. I, you know, I mean, I agree pretty 100%. I think this stuff about Leah was actually a really salient point that I didn't think about, which is like she's not their peer because she's right. 38 and also she has no prior relationship to them. So yeah. the thing with Bethany is like she was so mean to them and, you know, I hated that. But also right. it was like she knew them for 10 years. So And it helped with the stakes because it helped they, the stakes. There was a, yeah. there was a, a built-in history. And so, right, and she had power. Yeah, I think that now, you know, Leah does offer some version of the is some version of the Greek chorus, but I don't know. Yeah, I don't know that it's hard when you're identifying with the person who's like the new person in. I also feel like I'm in a weird place because and I know you know this because we've talked about it. I was very, very concerned and feeling pessimistic about this upcoming about this season because when Bethany left as unprofessionally as I felt that she did um, look at feelings, um, I was I just felt like, well, this season is just going to be a waste. And this week gave me such a high because it just to me left me feeling elated. I felt so excited and and laughed my ass off and felt so happy and really consider it a classic Housewives episode. There was so much going on to me that I felt very satiated and and this the episode teaser for ne- next week to me looks like an even better version of like TV excellence. Like John Oliver said on Watch What Happens at Home this week, he was like, you know, I have seen Parasite and I've seen the teaser for next week. And to be honest, the teaser for next week like gets it. Like it just felt like editing excellence. The vibe was there. The spirit was there. And it feels like these are great episodes of New York. It really does to me. I, I got what I needed. I'm very surprised about it. You and I have talked about Leah's problematic state of affairs. I'm featured in an article that was published this week um, on the Daily Beast where I talked about my struggle with supporting Leah on camera and hating all of her opinions off, all of her IRL opinions off, which I'll link to in the show notes for this week's up. But and that's that's problematic. We talked about it like that's Manolo safe word all day. But. I just felt happy watching it. I did. and But I hear you. I hear you. I hear James from London. I hear that there's pushback. I don't share it, but I understand it. I do, even though I don't agree. I, I understand. Just, I just feel like if Beverly Hills is dismissed as, like, rich women doing things, then, like, New York is just self-destructive drunk women, drunk women yeah. doing things. And I am bored with that a little bit. Like, it's funny, but it's just, like, it can't sustain. Two trips where people are wasted can't sustain a whole season. And I felt like last season was a dud. I felt Bethany, like I was into her last season because I thought she was a kinder person to everyone. But I also thought that because of that, there was like little conflict. And the only mm-hmm. things that happened were like when they went on trips and got annihilated and Bethany and Luann, Lu- Bethany like screamed at Luann and cried at a dinner in Miami, I think it was. And then yeah. and Lu- and um, Sonia, I think, fell out of a chair and slammed her head on like a uh, hard floor in Miami also. Like... That is all that I remember off the top of my head from last season. I think I enjoyed last season fine, but I think that it was kind of a dud in like the bucket of what New York has given us historically, and especially okay. coming off the Carol Bethany fallout. Yeah, um, and Cartagena. So I think that, yeah, I think that that is where I struggle with New York is just that like 
for storytelling to be interesting, there needs to be arc and evolution. And I think that what I'm seeing with New York women is that they are not evolving and there is not evolution. And I think that sadly, like I'm, I would love to know what people's, their relationships with are with the past housewives in New York, because I think it was a real misstep to bring on Leah, but not bring in like a Jill or a Heather mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or Carol. And I'm, and I don't know, like, I feel like all of those people have different weird relationships with me, um, the producers or the Bravo or whatever, or both. But I think that like, it was a loss to not bring somebody back in who had established history for the viewers, because I think that that is also part of it. It's like, yes, I do think Leah is the voice of reason, but also like, I think it's supposed to be Dorinda. And I want, I like Dorinda because I know her, but I also feel her sadness and I'll, I don't know, like, I want to root for Dorinda mm-hmm. because I know her, mm-hmm. but I wish that like Heather was there or Carol yeah. was there or Jill was there because then I feel like at least it would be, uh, there would be a reason to think that she was their peer, you know? Totally. And I think that there's no one to blame, but Bethany for that by leaving either the day that production started or the night before. And, you know, Heather won't come back as of right now. She said publicly several times that she won't. And I believe that that is her choice and not production, not being interested. The exact is true of Jill. She's desperate to be back. Production won't have her. And Carol, I think, burned all possible bridges and probably doesn't want to be back. And it's a a mutual thing. She doesn't want to be back. They don't want her. Do you think I never really think about the fact that New York broke the fourth wall in the premiere either? And like, do you think that was necessary to start this season? Because at the time, I was like, well, Bethany had been on forever, and she was a fan favorite, and they didn't have any time, so they needed to like. Obviously, they filmed those reactions to have the option, but I think it's interesting based on the way the season was set up. Like, it's almost like they're setting it up for her return. Honestly, like it was a weird to me. It was a weird way to set a start a new season without somebody by acknowledging that they're not there because they don't normally do that. And it seemed interesting to do that unless they were like setting it up for her to return in the finale and be like, Oh, now you come crawling back. Do you know what I mean? Like it was a weird, I don't know. I think it was a choice. Why do you think that choice? I think it was a really good choice because we're all thinking about it. And it was a huge piece of news when it happened. And frankly, Bethany's going to be using it when she does press for the Mark Burnett stuff as she has already. So why shouldn't they? And I think it was such a shock in the way in which it happened that by acknowledging it immediately, they can push it aside and move on with the show. I think that they needed to acknowledge it, like move on with the show uh, figuratively and literally like they needed to acknowledge it. This happened. How crazy is that? Oh my God. She's leaving our friend group, AKA show. And now let's start, you know, it's like, who else do you the coming think- attractions before the main event, except the coming attractions are related. What other housewife would you, do you think that if they, another housewife quit another season right before filming was to start, who do you think would get that sort of treatment? Because it would feel like such a loss. Lisa Vanderpump. Who obviously went about it in a different way and it was featured on like 18,000 episodes of Beverly Hills last season. But Lisa, um, Nini has burned that bridge. I don't no, think, I think that Nini, there's... she's the first one I thought of, which is to say like if she signed her contract or said she was coming back and then bailed, I think that they would start the season. She's such an institution. Oh, okay. in, like if we're thinking of the exact same thing. Yes, which is the... I was thinking that she does. She deserve it, which is not that's not what you were asking. I'm asking yeah, who would get that you. sort of treatment I, right. by the franchise. In the same if they did the exact same scenario where you're kind of fucking the franchise in production, yes, Nini would get that. She's a big enough name, and she's obviously a legacy. Yes, I agree. And I think maybe Teresa, but I'm not sure if anybody else. 
Like, I think Candy would be a loss and they would be mad, but I think that the show wouldn't need yeah. to, ex- like, they in Atlanta, it would become, like, a who's the new Nini, what kind of, like, like why, where did she go? Like, in, same with Lisa Vanderpump. Like, they would create a story almost about, like, these women moving on beyond this person. I think it's a difference between who has the most power on the show and who's the face of the show. I think you can make the argument that Candy has the most power on Atlanta, but Nene is the face of it, regardless of whether or not she still deserves to wear that title. Um, I want to go back to Beverly Hills for a second. Um, And then if you're down, I think we should continue the trivia stuff on a Patreon after show. But I do just want to talk briefly about Sutton. Because when I was reading those um, Instagram poll results, the winner of the Sutton poll, should she or should she not get a diamond, more people said she should not than should. And I find that to be a really problematic argument because if people are constantly saying they're bored in general, okay, and going into Beverly Hills, not necessarily the premiere, um, and I might have brought my own baggage to that. I will also say that about the Beverly Hills premiere, um, but when we talk about what makes a show good, it is not just a, a, a band of friends being friendly. There has to be some sort of conflict, either a personality conflict, a situational conflict or something else. And I find it very revealing that a lot of people say Sutton should have shouldn't deserve a diamond. And my inference from that is because they don't like her. And for me, not liking someone is not a reason for that person to be part-time. In fact, I think that is a great reason for them to be full-time. And I think the Sutton thing is obviously strange in the sense that she filmed as a full-time cast member, was announced as a full-time cast member, and is considered a full-time cast member until the point in which her ex-husband said, P.S. kids aren't allowed and production realized they didn't have a ton of, uh, stuff to use I just I think she deserves to be there and I'm surprised at the number of and that that it's right and good for the show that she's there I'm surprised by the number of people who disagree what are your thoughts um I don't know that I have I mean based on the premiere I think yes but also like I don't have like I don't have enough to strong stance I don't have a strong stance because like I thought it was funny to watch her be shady to Teddy and like Yes, you do need conflict. So, like, in all of those ways, I 100% agree. I guess if, like, she was a full-time housewife, I would have higher expectations of her, though, because I'd be following her in her home and be like, what is she bringing to the table? So it's, like, it's easy to say, like, make her a full-time housewife because she's funny in her confessionals like Marlo and, like, is good at, like, calling things out and creating story. But also, like, I think that part – I don't know. I just don't – I have to see, like, the whole season, I feel like, to know if it would have – but yes, I, I mean, I, I think we're 100% in agreement that, like, conflict is necessary and, like, she was bringing her calling Ted, making fun of Teddy's outfit and, like, her talking about her money and her kind of being, like, rude to people was, like, funny and I was, like, into having a difference of opinion because everyone gets along too well. I have two Sutton satchels, one of which I think you're going to be either triggered by or excited about. Okay. It's not this one. The first one is not the one that I'm referencing. Um, Here's a satchel from Devon in South Africa who says, does Sutton deserve a uh, diamond? One, how many zeros? Many zeros times yes. People complain about people like Teddy, Catherine, and Erica being boring. Then a woman who literally looks a bit like a polished version of Tan Mom and Couture shows up bearing shade like we only see in Atlanta, and they're not happy either. I stan Sutton. And 
I'm into, I think that's a great assessment and really, I think it's true. It's funny. It's like, yeah, she is like, she's spending stupid amount of money on stuff that doesn't look good. She doesn't look good in it. And then she's making fun of people like Teddy, who we don't like. And I'm like, I'm, I'm totally, so I totally agree with that satchel. Here's the satchel that I read and I was like, oh shit, I have to discuss this with Damien, which is why I'm so glad that we're doing this episode right now, because I think it is in fact meant to be, I want to I want to read it and then okay. I feel like there should be some sort of I'm nervous I get now. what the person is saying <laughs> I'm like nervous to say this out loud I think it I understand what they're saying I think the comparison could be viewed as very problematic based on the situations but I understand what they're saying and I want to say that so I'm just adding a caveat <clears throat> you have to sort of separate your brain similar to what I say about Leah on the show versus off you have to separate the situations in your brain okay great that what a setup this is gonna be so here's a satchel of gold from Greg in New York City the I'm like (laughs) nervous reading this you okay great um the fact that Sutton has allegedly been cut from full-time because of last-minute contract issues reminds me a little of the drag race sherry pie situation uh, not because of the reasons behind that, but the uh, and uh, AKA Sherry Pie's removal from the show, but the fact that the narrative is now being re-edited and retold after the fact in a way that the audience will be hyper aware of. Sutton may come off even more bitchy because we won't get to see the solo scenes that soften her as a fully developed character, i.e., with her kids. When you're just friend of, all we typically get is the commentary and then shit stirring from group scenes. It took Marlo a long time to build empathy from the audience, and I'm scared that this might be the nail in the head for Sutton before the season ha- uh, has even started. With Sherry, we've all lost her entire edit as a character, sidebar from Sarah G, for obviously excellent reasons. This woman, uh, Sherry Pie, the drag queen from Drag Race, was essentially removed from the show after um, allegations were proven that she's a um, sexual predator Um, with Sherry. We've all lost her entire edit as a character and all that's left is her performances and challenges, which have been stellar. I have read a lot of Sutton backlash and I'm thinking if we got the full picture of her from the onset, maybe people wouldn't be so hard. And I just want to say as a caution to people listening that I, I understand what Greg is saying. He's not comparing the two obviously in situations or saying that one is that they're equal in any way. He's just saying that the, our understanding of these people as people can become very distorted because of stuff happening outside of production. Yes. Okay. I have a lot of thoughts. Well, not a lot. I just have one that is like I a hundred percent disagree with that, and it's okay. I and it's not because of the comparison, because like yes, they're obviously very different things. It's that Sherry is on a competition show that's about like mm. win- winning, and every episode is about different uh-huh. challenges, and that's so really they're restructuring point. an edit to show how there's a competition and if she did very well and she's in and she's up against other people and she was dominating the competition, they now need to re-edit a season to make it seem like whoever else is going to do well, who wasn't doing as well as her, like deserves to win because she will not win because she's been disqualified. So it's uh-huh. a little bit jarring to watch sometimes because she'll win something and you don't know because you didn't see her do well, you know? And you yeah. don't, also we know nothing about her other than what we've read in the papers. I think that, I haven't read a lot of negative stuff about Sutton, but also, like, I don't care. I think at a certain point, 
production and the network don't care. Like, they care about what fans want in a way, but also they know they need to create story. So I think that this actually could be a good thing for Sutton because she had a great premiere. And if this, mm. if, if what we're mm-hmm. signing up for is, mm-hmm. as that person said, um, a, like a softer tan mom in couture being shady right. in her confessionals, then amazing. If I had to also watch that opposite, like her being boring at home with her kids or her being like insufferable with like her help, quote unquote, I don't know that that's a good thing. I think it maybe is better that our first introduction to her is her being with the women. They're not going to edit conflict out that she has with the women. They're going to edit out stuff that she has with like her in her personal life, which sometimes is boring or sometimes is just used as a montage to set up each episode of like, here's Portia working out with Miss Diane and here's Candy getting her makeup done to go and here's like uh, Nene and Greg pretending like they're going to get in bed and be romantic. Like... To me, I'm okay if Sutton doesn't get that stuff. Like, I don't need her to be a total three-dimensional character on her first season. I need her to bring drama and conflict, and I feel like we're set up for that right now. If 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 her based in the episode premiere episode, um, put up against her um basically making fun of Teddy for being boring in the super trailer is any indication of what we're getting with her, I'm here for it. Um. I wonder, do you think the better comparison, even though this is like so much more obvious and takes out kind of the tension of the question, is just to say about Brandy, like you could make the, I dislike Brandy absolutely as a person. And I also think she's like crossed the rainbow bridge into being helpful as a housewife because she's so desperate at this point. And like, to me, that's not interesting. I don't want to watch that on TV in the way in which she performs it. But with Brandy, she lost a lot and something that they talked about on the reunions with her. She lost a lot of like the empathy vote because we couldn't see the stuff with her kids, but obviously she was so dramatic that she was key to several seasons because she was willing to do that kind of like deep, dark work, dark work. And you could say in a different way, the same is true with Sutton. She might not get the empathy vote of like Miss Congeniality, but that doesn't mean that she won't be um, integral to the show in a way that, will help her if her goal is to become full-time again or just stay on the show or have fame, whatever it is. And, like, listen, I don't want Marlo to, like, get more confessionals or get a peach to, like, make her a more empathetic, warmer character. I don't want her to become a different person. I want her to get a peach because I feel like she earns it and she shouldn't be in the credits and make money because she's doing a lot of heavy lifting. So like I'm a, like I don't need everyone to be everything because then it's boring. Like I need you need people to operate different places every season. So I'm okay with Sutton not being a warm character because then if she's great, maybe they'll bring her back next week season and they'll be able to figure out whatever it is with her family and mm-hmm. she'll have earned her spot. And I think yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think the Brandy comparison is interesting. I think that. I'd also be interested to see how Brandy has handled this season. I don't know why I have this assumption, but I feel like, as I said earlier in the episode, I think that the Brandy component is going to be sort of the nail in the coffin at, like, the end of the season. I could be totally wrong. And I think it's because Bravo feels like she, they like like her because she drives story, but they know that fans, whether fans like her for being messy or hate her for being messy, they know that she's a divisive character. And they also, I think because she's, like, done so much reality TV and been so vocal about everything on social media they know that she's she maybe cheapens the brand because she's not like elevated because she's like on every reality show and she'll like milk a storyline for likes and for press so I think that they're trying to parse I don't think she's going to be like a friend of the season I think she's going to show up like maybe twice and like 
help. But I think that because we have a history with her, it'll be okay to accept, like, Kyle's friend knows something about Denise's relationship. This is just a theory. Yeah, I think that, and I think that Brandy is talking about a nail in the coffin, just hitting that well shut by some of the stuff that she said on social this week by having these Instagram lives where she looks insane and she's sloppy drunk and it could not be less appealing or entertaining. It's just really desperate and sad. Um, I think she remembers that people, what was the name of her book? Like, or her Chardonnay or whatever it was like unfiltered blonde drinking and tweeting. Yeah. Drinking and tweeting is a book. And I think the, I think the wine was unfiltered blonde, but I, I don't remember. And I think she, she only has that memory as well and she's trying to get it back and it's just too late. Um, yeah. And I guess we'll see. I mean, I agree with a lot of what you said. I think we'll just see. I think we'll just wait and see. Um, speaking of waiting and seeing, let's do the rest of the Beverly Hills <laughs> trivia because I am turned on by it. I love it. Okay, great. Wait, what Tell about me. Um, Atlanta? Do you have any thoughts about this last week's episode? I think this season is so great. I think it's been like such a great season and I'm, I'm nervous because I feel like it's, it's obvious that we, it's like, it feels, it feels like we wouldn't talk about Atlanta at this point because Beverly Hills and New York are so early in the season. Yeah. So there's so much to unpack about like where things are going to go. And Atlanta is like at the end of the road. But unfortunately, like it would be time for us to like dig right into Atlanta. And now this, excuse me, that this reunion stuff is going to make everything so weird. And I think that people, I think I listened to your last episode and you guys were talking about like, it's going to be sad, but maybe people will really show up because they really like mm-hmm. know that they need to make this a moment. Mm-hmm. And I think if anyone needed to be tasked with doing the first remote reunion, it was this, it was Atlanta was the right cast. I think that I worry more about New York and Beverly Hills, depending right. on where we are with production at this app with the points where we get with their reunions. But um, uh, I don't. But I still, it's nervous. It's like nerve wracking. But although we were able to get in conflict today, and we're on Zoom, so <laughs> so it is possible. Um, yeah, Atlanta. I feel bad for it. I feel like it has faded a little bit, not creatively, but just in the sense that obviously, frame of mind, most important right now, top of mind rather, is New York and BH, just because BH premiere, just like genuinely just thinking about it. BH's premiere in New York had a fireworks kind of explosion of an episode. Um, for you. For most people. Um, <laughs> the stuff with, I mean, like all I can really think about from the last episode was wondering what went into Kenya's mind when she decided to try to deceive the show in the sloppiest of all manners by just buying a bunch of clothes, keeping the tags on so that they can be turned returned right after and filming a scene where she very solemnly and and in the saddest of ways pretends to pack them up because her husband is gone. I didn't understand if it was I couldn't figure out if it was because Mark never lived there or it had already Wait, happened. And she wanted to, I don't know what you're I'm not following. I wasn't I didn't all I, of the clothes that she folded had tags. <gasps> all of the clothes oh that she God, folded I had totally tags. I didn't know that and I didn't read anything about it or see that online. That's a crazy I missed it the first time I watched it. The second time I watched the episode, I was like, holy shit. All of the clothes had tags. So is that something producers told her to do? Or my thinking is because Kenya sort of does sometimes deserve a producer credit. Um, is that something that Kenya wanted to do? It doesn't 
make it feel to me like the breakup was false. Obviously, that was real. But did he never spend as much time in Atlanta as she said? Like, there are scenes of him in her house. Like, did he stay there? Like, did he just have a duffel bag with him? Because he really was truly based in in um, New York City. Was he just traveling like with his little suitcase back and forth with nothing else? Like, Or was it a time issue of when they shot it? It was fascinating to me and I think it's something that someone will raise on the reunion it's either going to be Andy or uh Nini Nini or Portia or or a combination of the three which I would be extremely into it was shockingly sloppy from a woman who's very good at uh coming up with content yeah I agree it's fascinating I did not see that so I'm so glad we did talk about Atlanta for a second um I know we're wrapping up but I just um wanted to maybe maybe find a bookend here which is to say I think Atlanta does a great thing that like Beverly Hills I think as we talked about um earlier has trouble with and that is like in the beginning of the season everyone was getting along except for Nini and then she slowly did her like apology tour and I think that Mm -hmm. she is cool with Tanya and Portia now and Marlo Mm -hmm. was always Mm -hmm. fine and now like Nini has conflict with Eva and I guess she and Cynthia are fine, but she has conflict with Kenya, Candy, and Eva. So, like, it's sort of, like, the four of them versus the four of them. Mm-hmm. I think that, like, that is what I think that some franchises, namely Beverly Hills, sometimes struggle with, is, like, people could have rallied around Lisa Vanderpump last season, but mm-hmm. nobody liked her, which maybe speaks to her character and, like, how she treated them. But mm-hmm. nobody wanted to, like, help create a better show by aligning themselves with her and being like, let's take down so-and-so or like, or just be like, I'm still a friend. I'm still friends with her. You guys can have whatever beef, but she didn't do that to me, which I think is Mm -hmm. like, I don't know that Portia and Candy suddenly have beef. Maybe they do. I'm not sure. But like Portia, I don't think they do. Portia and Nini are cool and they are friends and Candy Mm -hmm. and Kenya are cool and they are friends. So like they know where we'll like theoretically we'll sit on the sofas, you know, I don't know. It's Mm -hmm. just, um, I think it's interesting. I think it's like knowing how to align yourself to not be redundant, but also to be create conflict is interesting and a talent. I'm thinking, yeah, I think you're right. And I feel bad. I feel guilty that, um, uh, Atlanta's getting the short end of the stick right now. And I want to talk, let's talk more about it on the Patreon. Um, cause I do want to unpack it a little bit more and I want to talk about Kenya with you. Um, it just is one of those timing things. I want to say it's a victim of the pandemic in some ways. I feel like our attention has been just shifted entirely to things that are a brand new and sparkly so that we can, I'm, I'm pulling the pandemic out of my ass, obviously, but, um, uh, Oh look, there's the vaccine. Um, I, I just feel like they, because of the timing of it all, because New York is so new and so strong as we both agree. And because (laughs) Beverly Hills is new, um, I think that it's just getting kind of lost a little bit. And typically if that happened in real life and we were in the normal world, they would circle back to all of the attention during the reunion itself. And that's why I, I agree with you that it's, the best possible cast to have a zoom with because they are so well equipped to have a plus plus reunions anyway. So my hope is more optimistic for them than anyone else. But I do also wonder because of the circumstances, because it's not going to be opulent because they're not physically going to be near each other because the stakes are different when you're saying things in front of somebody, which takes more courage than saying someone 
to someone from a computer screen in your living room. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know how that will affect the way in which they speak together and the way in which it's edited, but I do hope that they get a, a nice chunk of attention from myself. I have to take responsibility for that as well as, you know, other people because I think they deserve it. And it's why I'm I'm hopeful that the reunion is actually something. I, I don't know. I think it's going to be but something, but I don't know what it will be. But I think it's going to be yeah. something. Yeah, I don't know. It's a, Yeah, it's interesting. Well, so was this talk, Damian Molino. Tell the people um, how to listen to your pod. You might know her from and follow you online. Uh, you can find everything at Damian Bellino, uh, D-A-M-I-A-N-B-E-L-L-I-N-O. You can find my Twitter, my Instagram, um, and then you can put me in iTunes and you'll find you might know her from or you can find it on my links and my bios or whatever the fuck. Um, guys, we're going to do a Patreon right now to do a deep dive, deeper dive into Atlanta and continue some of those Beverly Hills um, uh, quizzes. Um which Damien is easing so far. Um, so listen, Patreon is like the number one lifeblood. It's what keeping Andy's girls and myself afloat in these perilous times. And I'm so excited to be doing an Andy's girls, um, zoom kiki with folks who are at the og of the ag level they'll get first come first serve access so if you haven't signed up for the og of the ag level on patreon and or signed up for patreon at all i am incredibly appreciative i cannot tell you enough how helpful it is uh to me at this point in time as an underemployed contract freelancer um and it means an awful lot. I am also thinking out loud. I might put this on um, IG as a poll. Do you guys want me to do a trivia component to that Andy's Girls um, Turtle Time Zoom Kiki, uh, which maybe will be on House Party instead? Because that could be an awful lot of fun. And I would love to see which AG um, rallies the hardest. Um, I think that maybe we should do that. I'm just talking out loud as I do. Um, so guys slide into my DMS. Let me know your thoughts, um, on Instagram at Dame Galley. Um, if you like the show five stars on iTunes with a nice, terrific 700 word review. If you do not, if you want to continue listening to the show, I'll take away access. I don't know how to do it, but I will. Um, only leave a five-star review. If you have any sort of feedback of any kind, I will assume that you are no longer listening to Andy's Girls, and I welcome you to the Bitch Sesh uh, Juicy Scoop <laughs> communities. I'm sure they're thrilled to have you. Um, P.S. Shout out to um, Bitch Sesh. I have not watched that Watch What, Home, watch, watch what Happens at Home episode, but I'm very excited, too, because I'm obsessed with Casey Rose Wilson, especially on um, Black Monday. If you don't watch it, you should. Um, and Danielle, of course. Um, so, guys, love you to pieces. Uh, at Dame Galley on IG, at um, Damien Bellino on IG. Let me know your thoughts and feels about a Zoom trivia situation, etc. Stay safe and healthy. I've heard from a lot of you all over the world who are making your way through, supported by Housewives, and I'm glad that you are able to find a safe, happy space in these times. And shout out to all the first responders, anyone that's listening to the show on their way to work at a hospital, medical care facility, supermarket, grocery store, pharmacy, um, public transportation, um, caregiving, anything like that. I love you and thank you are brave strong warriors and if you don't agree with me about new york we need to have a talk um guys love you to i'll bed. be there and too <laughs> <laughs> on that note um guys we'll talk to you later uh, bye